From the Cairo Radio Newsroom in Seattle, I'm Dave Ross, and these are the Ross Files. There are surveys which indicate that there are more old people than there are young people to replace us. And Professor Rose Kenny studies this at Trinity College in uh, Dublin. She is an expert in gerontology. And you, you also are running a longitudinal study in Ireland to determine how you can age in a healthy way since you're going to be needed at the workplace longer than you thought. So uh, for, first of all, tell me about that survey and what kind of information you've been getting from it. It's a very large survey, and it represents one in 156 people over the age of 50 in Ireland. And the way we've chosen the sample uh, is such that we can actually generalize from any of the observations we make to the general population, which makes it a very important study. Also, uh, we take not just health into consideration, but equal emphasis on socioeconomic status, on social contacts, friendships, relationships, economics. So basically, it's a very holistic study. We, we, we cover the same people every two years and do subjective measures as well as objective measures. And that's really important also. And let me explain what I mean by that. If I asked you, do you have high blood pressure? Mm-hmm. In Ireland, 48% of men aged 50 to 65, and I'm guessing that you may be there or thereabouts, David. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they say, no, they don't have high blood pressure. But when we objectively measure it using very clear criteria, we find, in fact, that they are hypertensive but weren't aware. So doing subjective, i.e. what I know about myself, and objective, i.e. what somebody else measures about me, measurements, is really valuable in terms of identifying the true health need and unmet needs in health. So it helps not only inform the individual about themselves and society about individuals, but also policymakers. Yes. So I'm familiar with this concept of chronological age as opposed to biological age. What I'm not sure about is how much of that is within our own control. And you're saying that a lot of it is. Oh, that's a great question. So let me take you a step back in that, in that I'm a physician as well as a researcher. And I had a patient recently who was in his mid-70s. Um, he was smoking, he was drinking, he was overweight. And when I, and I, cardiovascular disorders is my area of interest in my clinical world. And when I started to speak to him about the adverse effects of those lifestyle behaviors, he assured me he'd be fine because his mother was 89 and his <laughs> father was 92 when they passed away. And therefore he was protected because he said, I have good genes. Genes, yeah. Well, the truth of the matter is that your genes are only responsible for 20% of the aging process, maybe 30. And we know this from identical twin studies where their genes are exactly the same. But of course, the twins age at different biological rates, just depending on what their life course has been like, the stresses in their lives, their 
health behaviors, diet, etc., physical activity. So depending on the variation in those, biological aging can be very different, despite the fact that their chronological age is the same, their twins, and their genes are the same because they're uh, identical mm-hmm. twins. So I'm guessing then it comes down to diet, exercise, and stress. Is there anything else? Oh, yes. Uh, what, 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 equally as important as those risk factors, and they are important, is social engagement, uh-huh. fr- friendship, quality of relationships. Uh, people who are isolated, socially isolated, who experience loneliness or stressful relationships, and very often that comes from family or marriage, um, that, 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 that has an excel- accelerated effect on biological aging. So social engagement, frequency of engaging with friends, having a good laugh with friends, having quality friendship is as important as the other well-known markers and behaviors that you cited. Okay, now does that have an, an actual measurable biological effect? Absolutely. Great question. So in, 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 two, in two ways I can illustrate that. First of all is in animals. And this was work done by colleagues in Harvard. Animals which are isolated, monkeys, because they're gregarious animals like ourselves, they need company, they need friendship. So monkeys who are isolated or that are isolated experience inflammatory changes biologically. And actually, if you take a sample of the lymph nodes in the monkey's neck and lymph nodes are the engines of inflammation, we can see that there is upregulation in lymph nodes of the genes which govern inflammation. That means that there's a chronic inflammatory process ongoing all of the time during isolation. Now, that actually abates when the monkeys mix again. And we have similar human studies which, in which Inflammatory markers like C-reactive protein, it's a common one, but there are many others, are measured. In, and then we have very good tests for identifying whether people are, in fact, well socially engaged and have good quality friendships and relationships or not. And those who are more inclined to poorer social relationships actually have background chronically inflammation as measured by their blood biomarkers. Hmm. Now, I'm curious, why would we evolve that way, such that if we're lonely, our bodies basically sabotage us? That's a really good question. Um, There are a number of hypotheses. The following is my favorite, Uh, that we've evolved to need each other because we have different functions within a tribe, within the community. So somebody has to go away and be the hunter-gatherer, and others stay to look after younger uh, members of the tribe or or deliver more localized functions within the tribe. But you want the guy who's gone off hunting to come back with what he catches. Right. You don't want him to kind of continue on with, with his catch and, and not return to the tribe. So therefore, our need for each other has evolved so that we can exist as a community and as a tribe. So are you saying then that basically old people should never quit work? Because most of us, no. that that's our tri- that becomes our tribe. So 
so that's really uh, uh, true that uh, in not necessarily the case, but very frequently we identify we our identity actually yeah. is is our work. I'm I'm saying that uh, whatever your community is, it's very important to continue to strongly engage with that community. Now, for those who do retire, who may want to retire, who choose to retire, and you know. Um, Manual labor particularly is very difficult to continue right. for many. Preparation has to be made for the time when you will need to engage in other pursuits, other activities, other interests, so that you're constantly invigorated by being with other people. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this um, th- this trend towards online brain exercises. I see a number of sites which are which are marketed towards older people where you do a daily and very challenging brain exercise which is supposed to uh, keep your mind young. Does that work? So, it works for the area of the brain that that particular exercise is focused towards. There is really not yet strong evidence that it prevents, for example, dementia, which is really what we're all concerned about in the context of cognitive function. But, you know, if you keep testing your memory, challenging your memory, then it is good for your memory. But it doesn't necessarily stop you getting something like dementia. If you are, are doing tests which are brain games, which are involved with concentration and attention it'll improve your concentration and attention yeah another thing which is good for for the brain is variety so having brain activities or other activities which are different and continuously varied is also very good i i'm glad you brought up um uh, dementia because that i think is probably the biggest fear of people who are getting old, not just not so much because of the effect on the, the person themselves, but the effect on the family, which uh, I know from having seen people go through it is can be devastating for this person you've yeah. known your whole life, not even to to recognize you. Is there any progress at all in, in mitigating that? Well, for the individuals listening now, I harp back to social engagement. There's lovely data showing that the more engaged you are and the less likely you are to experience loneliness, the less likely you are to get dementia. It's a very powerful uh, deterrent. The other things that appear to work are physical activity, really good management of vascular risk factors. That's high blood pressure, high cholesterol, et cetera, in middle, li- in middle life. They're all, they all reduce the incidence of dementia in subsequent years. Drug-wise, some of the medications on the market, which are being used at the moment, slow the progress of dementia. But at the moment, we don't have anything that I can say to you definitively. If you yeah. take that, you won't get dementia. Now, from this study, are you are you learning uh, uh, enough that you can give advice to young people on what they can do before they reach senior citizen status so that their aging will be healthier? 
A hundred percent. And that's actually the purpose of the book I wrote, Age Proof, is to target young people so that people can be aware of the factors throughout the life course, which make a difference to the aging process. One of the studies that we've cited comes from Dunedin in New Zealand, where as opposed to our data set, where we're following a large cohort of people aged 50 and older, the Dunedin study actually took a thousand babies born in the one year and followed them every two, four, six years, depending. And now the cohort is almost 50. But when that group of participants were 38, so they were all the same age. They measured their biological aging, which we can do with biological clocks from blood tests. Not so accurate as you get older, interestingly, at the moment, but these tests are accurate enough in younger cohorts, i.e. age 38. And they found that some of those all aged chronologically 38 were behaving biologically like 20-year-olds, but others were behaving as though they were 48. That that was the range, 20 to 48 in biological age. Big, big difference. What made the difference? Poor socioeconomic status. Poor poor life behaviours even at that age. Huh. Poor education and mental health issues. Okay, so they were the big drivers. The situation you're born into then does have an effect on your lifespan. Yes, it does. Now, I suppose the flip side of that, and this is the approach that I prefer to take and that I find most interesting as a researcher, is not everybody has a negative consequence as a result of those exposures. Hmm. So there are some who are born into the same circumstances who are resilient. Ah, so it's a matter of and attitude as well, then. I would think attitude, we know attitude is really important. Attitude matters. But there's also something else fundamentally going on, probably biologically, which which confers resilience to a degree. Yeah. So it's better to be born economically comfortable in uh, in a safe neighborhood. Yes. Um, I would say to you that consistently our research would show that of all the things we can modify, smoking is the most important. It is deadly. But the next is education, education, education. If we can provide education, that makes a huge difference to how people age. Yeah. So how has um, has your study been received? Uh, uh, Because it makes an argument for things like national health care, for intervention uh, in in families where obviously bad things are going on. I mean, have you seen governments take an interest in this research and actually do something with it? So the study itself has been cited in over 200 policy documents, so that's very good. And in the last 10 years, we've had something like 600 media outlets, including Al Jazeera and Indian uh, television and radio, um, Chinese communications, etc. So it has a global reach and a global resonance. And we've published over 700 original research papers from the study. So that's also very good in terms of the science community. But you know yourself, translating these hard facts into something meaningful at a societal level is challenging. So although the reach is there and the awareness we're working on, but I think there's growing awareness amongst all age groups, because that's important. Despite that, the the actual 
change in policy as a result of the studies is slow. Mm. And that's that's the same worldwide with 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 many st- similar studies. Yeah. Well, for example, we've seen the abandonment of this idea of mandatory retirement in a, in a lot of countries. So that's good. What What else would you like to see? Particularly in the United States, actually, mandatory the abandonment of mandatory retirement. The United States were the were leading uh, in, in that context, and many countries in Europe still have mandatory retirement really? at sixty five, sixty six. But it's changing, and it will change. What else would I like to see? I mean, if I had a wish list, honestly, that we would afford every child third level education, no question about that. And whatever the support structures are that are necessary to to uh, enable that w- would definitely be a game changer at a societal level. Um, and I and I think support for families generally who are struggling and that something like we're discussing is so low on their priority list because there are so many other uh, needs mm. that are much more immediate and more pressing. So just to clear up one thing, you're saying our our destiny is not baked into our genes because I, I read a lot about the um, telomeres, you know, those little fringes on the ends of cells, which are supposedly oh, yeah. part of this biological clock. And if you lose telomeres, then you begin your decline and there's nothing you can do about that. You're saying there are things you Actually, can do. I, oh, there are things you can do. Actually, stress. We didn't touch on stress, David. Yeah. Stress is a huge determinant of telomere length. First of all, the um, assertion that telomeres are a measure of lifespan is true, of mm. biological aging is true. Um, but it, there's a lot of controversy still about telomeres. Um, it, they're, they're, it's, it's, it's not a clear-cut uh, measure as yet. It depends hugely on the laboratory and other circumstances. But by and large, telomeres do predict in our study mortality mm-hmm. when you're going to die, for example. Um, so telomeres, yes, okay. The, 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 uh, the issue uh, with respect to factors which influence lifespan are, are stress um, and Stress changes telomeres, stress at any stage. There's a lovely study of mothers of 10-year-olds. Half of the study mothers were had offspring who had significant physical or mental disability, and the other half did not. And they adjusted for as many confounders as possible and found that telomere lengths in these relatively young mothers were shorter in those who were mothers of of, of disabled um, youngsters, so so lots of things change telomere. Stress is one thing that that changes it uh, them, and they probably are good biological markers of aging. But there's, the court is still out, jury is still out on that. Right. So reduce stress and do it now, by golly. At an early stage, because a lot of the factors we talked about in the Dunedin study, which influenced. The, the biological markers of aging are, in fact, uh, predicated on stress. Low, so, lower socioeconomic groupings are more stressed. Right. Depression triggers stress responses through neurohumoral uh, mechanisms. That's the autonomic nervous system and cortisol systems <clears throat> in, our, in our bodies. Um, poor lifestyle behaviors triggers stress. 
smoking, alcohol excess, drugs, etc. So stress does matter and lifestyle factors do matter, but none of these are, are exist in isolation. Professor Rose Kenny has written Age Proof, the New Science of Living a Longer and Healthier Life. She teaches at Trinity College in Dublin. And thank you for coming on with us today. Thank you, Dave. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Remember that when there's a longer version of the interviews on Seattle's Morning News, you can usually find it right here in the original form, unconstrained by the limitations of a live broadcast and you can subscribe so that when someone says, did you hear what was on Seattle's Morning News, you can say, not only that, I heard the part that wasn't on Seattle's Morning News. So my advice is to subscribe. And then when we talk to an author, a politician, an entrepreneur, an artist, a scientist, a teacher, a journalist, a celebrity, you'll hear every word. I'm Dave Ross. Thanks for tuning in.